you want your... Uh, they're going upstairs now. Children are, can go upstairs if you want them to go. There's some people up there now, so you won't be dropping them off by themselves, you know. Uh, so you can take those if you want. While you do that, there are a few pictures in that um, baby dedication as they leave that I know you know what these children look like, but these pictures are so cute, you know. So, um, so scroll through for a minute as these kids leave and see what we have. Because you're going to look at me for the next hour, you know, 15 minutes or so. What a cute little guy. I made this thing on the right here. This is beautiful. Look at those cuties. Okay, now back to me. You gotta look at me now, um, man. You know what? I, you know what I love about. I, I say I love everything. Really, I, I'm just a lovable person. But um, one of the things that I like about kind of this service, where it's a little chaotic, but a lot of people are coming up and a lot of people are going and all that kind of thing, is we could do it more simple than that. But but this way, I mean, look how many people got to be involved in leading worship today. You know, uh, people on stage and then people up front and then me up front and then Robbie up front and so. To me, that's just a super cool thing, and it's worth a little bit of the chaos. I hope that some of the rest of you guys very soon are involved in that and coming up and doing some of these things. Um, so anyway, I love that stuff. A lot of fun stuff today. Uh, babies, Christmas, and completing the trifecta of all things cute and cuddly. Now I'm up here to preach, you know. And, um, man, just, just a really fun service to me. Trying to address parents... And, and yet continue to talk about the Christmas story seemed like a large divide. Um, but, you know, really I got into the text this week and started saying, God, what would you, you know, what do you want to say to people? And, and it turned out it was super easy. Before we kind of jump into that, parents, let me let you in on a well-known secret. So parents, well-known secret. You can stop the act, right, all that different kind of stuff because we already know. Uh, the well-known secret is that it was not easy for you to get here this morning. Is that right? It was not easy for you to get here this morning because from the, from the bed to the car, uh, a lot happened in there that was super chaotic. And whether you have a nine-month-old or a 19-year-old, it was not easy for you to get here. And whether you woke up at, you know, 4 o'clock or 8 o'clock or 8.55, uh, it wasn't easy for you to make all those things happen to get here. So it's okay. Stop trying to not look exhausted. You know, and just go ahead and, you know, take your nap if you need to. The lights are low. I'm going to do this for 15 minutes because we absolutely know that it's not easy to get anywhere. I remember the first time after Molly was born that we were going to go see my parents for a day. We didn't even stay the night. And the, the whole car was packed. I mean, we had 45 things going to my parents for nap time and changing diapers, like 100 different things. And, and I just absolutely know that it wasn't easy to get here this morning. So, so here's what I'm, I, I just want to make sure that we use this time well. Um, it was not easy to get here this morning, and so, but I think your effort to be here is worthwhile. So here we go. Two things we want to accomplish this morning. One, I just want to help you parents and you guys that are, that are parents of, of older children. You're still trying to think through all this. I want you to think of this as more than just, a, more than just an event, but today really as an opportunity for you to pause in your crazy, hectic life to say, how can I raise my child in a way that honors God? And I want you also to, to look around at, at, at all the people and the people that you regularly see that said, we are here and we are committed to helping you raise this child. 
And they said yes, and I asked them to promise. That's what Deuteronomy does. So they promised to you that, that your church family would be here to help you do those things. So hold them accountable. To me, they just said, we will be free babysitters. That's what I heard. And so ask them what they'll do for you. Um, so that's one thing we're trying to do today, to get you to think through that. The other thing is obviously to continue to celebrate Christmas. Uh, one thing, as I was thinking, how are, you know, how are we really going to do both of these and do them well? And then it was like, you've seen those Red's Apple Ale commercials where the guy gets hit in the head, you know? It was kind of like that for me, and God was like, you know, there are parents in the Christmas story. And there are parents in the story who were pretty confused and pretty scared and probably even pretty angry through a lot of it right at the beginning of the story. And even and if you just begin the Christmas story at the beginning, you probably have a lot to say to parents. So we're going to jump in there. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. This is the part that maybe you read this part when you, when you gather together and when you have Christmas service, or maybe you skip over it, but this is not the part that gets emphasized. So in this part, an angel shows up, and an angel shows up to Mary, and the angel says to Mary, hey, Mary, you are highly favored by God. And I think if an angel showed up and said to me in a dream, after I got over being scared out of my mind, if an angel showed up to me in a dream and said, Adam, you are highly favored by God, I think I would be like, tell me something I don't know. No, seriously, I just think it would be pretty exciting for me to hear, you know, you are highly favored by God. And I'd probably be like, well, I did always feel like I was kind of special, you know. Um, but that'd be something that I would love. But Mary, the angel says, Mary, you are highly favored by God. And in verse 29, verse 29, it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But then the angel said to her, he says to her again, Mary, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? I'm going to read the next verse, just in case you never heard the story, and this part really perplexes you. It's not that the angel never heard the birds and the bees talk or anything like that. Verse 35, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And there's the beginning of the story where first we meet these parents who are, who are super scared. Here's what I want you to see here, and even though this is Mary, I want, what, what I think you can see here is the reaction of 90% of dads when they first find out that a child is on the way. So there are 10% of people who are really weird and are super excited, and then there's the other 90% of us, and, and the emotion that we feel is, number one, confusion, followed by fear. Am I right? Can I get a nod from dads? Confusion and then fear. And it's usually something like, but wait, we, but I thought you, you know, and you're really afraid. And then you see she's beginning to, to be afraid because you look afraid. And so you give her the reaffirming hug and over the shoulder, it's like, you know, and you're just scared out of your mind. Confusion and then absolute fear. And here's what I want you to know. Here's something I think that we can pick up from this story. You should know that your greatest blessing... And you may, you may be like, my children are not my greatest blessing. But if they are, your greatest blessing may be absolutely full of fear, may be full of confusion, may be full of heartache, and may be completely full of pain. And yet it still may be your greatest blessing. 
For one, I think that's the very definition of having children, isn't it? Uh, Fear, confusion, heartache, pain. That's like the definition of having children. You know, there's some joy in there too, but this makes up a large, large portion of it. And whether it's your children or it's your job or whether it's an ailing and aging parent or whether it's, it's a brain that gets frustrated or depressed really easily or maybe it's, it's, it's a brain that can calculate math probabilities or I probably said that wrong, but it can do all those things really well, but it leaves you a little quirky and disconnected. Whatever it may be that causes you a lot of pain is probably also the thing that is your greatest blessing. And it's probably also the thing that God wants to use in a really big, big way. And no matter what that thing is, there will certainly be varying degrees of fear and confusion and heartache and pain. But don't confuse all that and don't think that because there's some of those things that it's not a blessing. Uh, some people say at this point, you know, I get what you're saying, that sometimes things that are good for us uh, can, you know, sometimes things that are a blessing can be really challenging, but this thing that I've got right now, nothing is good about this. And I'm talking about your children, right? But, but this thing that I've got going on right now, no way this is a blessing for anyone else, and no way it's a blessing for me. And while I'm going through the middle of it, I am definitely not a blessing to anyone. You know, I'm yelling at the kids. I'm yelling at people at work. I'm yelling at ongoing traffic, right? I'm just yelling at everyone. And no way this is a blessing. But as you backtrack a little bit, and, and look, at, look at these people in this story here. Look at Joseph and Mary, and, and no doubt the greatest blessing of their life and being, being parents to the Christ child. And look what this looks like to them at the beginning. Joseph finds out his fiancée is pregnant and it's not his. So that's, that's not a very good start to the story, right? That's how he first gets the news. And so you may think that my thing is terrible for me. No way it's a blessing, but look, look at Joseph's blessing. Mary finds out that she's pregnant, and, and this is a thing that her fiancée could have had her killed for. Right? This, this is in the law that, that absolutely, because of what's happened, Joseph could have her stoned. So she's, she's pretty afraid, too. So this is going to be a blessing for her, but, man, it starts pretty ugly. Here's a thing that just breaks my heart to even think about it as a parent that maybe I couldn't have got before. But Mary also has a son who will one day be tried for a crime and, and, and convicted of a crime that he didn't commit, and then she'll stand before him while he dies this really slow, painful death, and she'll stand at his feet and watch all that happen. And so if you're to tell Mary that this is challenging, no way this is a blessing, I think she would say, you've got no fear and pain and confusion and heartache don't mean that this thing cannot be a blessing for you, that this is not good for you. Those things are just part of the process. And the thing that maybe you thought was the hardest thing in your life or the most challenging thing or the thing that you think you're failing at may be the biggest movement of God your life has ever known. As you embrace that reality, embrace this one too. And I think it comes right alongside that. Uh, Your greatest joy in your child, or maybe you've come to see this thing as a blessing, your greatest blessing and your greatest joy, it also comes with responsibility and purpose. Uh, know this. Let me speak specifically to parents for a moment. So the rest of you guys, you just take a little nap, all right? If, if you're not already out, you take a little nap. We'll tell you when to wake back up, okay? Um, but parents, let me tell you this. Um, your greatest, your greatest joy 
comes with a lot of responsibility. Uh, pastor in Atlanta, some of you guys have heard of um, Charles Stanley. Uh, pastor's huge church and his ministry has been around just for forever. And he's done, he's authored tons of books, man. He's just done tons of incredible things through the life of the church. And, uh, and he was in an interview just a few years ago, and he said, maybe the very greatest thing that I've ever done in my ministry is my son, Andy. And so for, uh, and his son is a pastor of another huge church too. But the whole idea is that this guy who's done all these incredible things says, I think the thing that God used me for the most was just to raise my son. I want you to know that this baby is not yours just to dote on just to give all the things to them that maybe you didn't have. It's certain this, this child is not yours to raise with no sense of responsibility. God blessed you with this for a particular purpose. These things hit me really big when I first became a parent. Think about these two principles as you process that. Uh, think about the, the principle of unconscious influence, right? The primacy of unconscious influence. Here's the truth for you. And, and think about your parents and the way that you are now. And if you've got older kids, think about your older kids and, and how they are like you. 99% of the actions you perform that influence your children are unpremeditated. So most of the ways that you influence your child are not because you said we need to discipline or let's sit down and do your homework. It's none of that kind of stuff. 99% of the actions you perform that influence your children are totally unpremeditated. And there are hundreds of them a day, maybe even thousands of them every day that you do. You ever done something and said, oh my gosh, I'm just like my mom. Oh my gosh, I'm just like my dad. And it's probably something really small that you did. And maybe it's your facial expressions, and maybe it's your posture, and maybe it's your tone of voice, and maybe it's your gestures, and maybe it's the way you yell at the dog, um, guilty. Maybe it's the way that you yell at ongoing traffic, all the things that come second nature to you. Maybe it's the way you get frustrated about the dripping faucet, or maybe it's your anger towards your spouse, or a hundred other things that you do during the day. Those are primarily the things that you will pass along to your children. So as you toss that around in your brain and you think, holy crap, I'm going to screw them up really bad, think about this. Second principle is this. It's the contagious, the contagious power of a happy, joyous example. See, here's what your kids are going to do more so than anything else. Your children are going to imitate what they see makes you the happiest. And the things that you do that make you the happiest is absolutely what they'll do. And, and can I get an amen? They're not necessarily going to do what you tell them to do, right? That's not their primary, that's not the primary thing that they're going to do. What they are going to do is what they see you do that makes you happy. And they will imitate that. And look, uh, I don't want to beat up on, on people who have been divorced. My parents were divorced, and, and I turned out decent enough, right? Um, but, you know, I, I, man, I remember I've, I've had a, a lot of people who said, man, be, getting divorced, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Is that, man, is that really what, you know, and I say some things to, to, to my daughter, and I'm like, is that really the best thing that ever happened to me? Is that what I want you to imitate? The best thing that ever happened to me is something I don't want you to have to go through? Because your children are going to imitate the things that you say are the best for you and the things that you say make you the happiest. Here's the implication of this. 
we should devote a lot more time, a lot more of our energy, not so much to, to developing parent strategies and all those different kind of things, but we should develop a lot more of our time in developing who we are and developing our character and developing what type of people that we become. Because you're going to go insane if you try to pause before every action and every reaction and try to say, how should I respond so that my kid sees something good? But instead, if you begin to change who you are, and you begin to become more like Christ, what your children will see when you respond is Christ in you. As we wrap this up, uh, I just want to want to remind you, lest we get confused, which is, which is the number one word that describes me as a parent is confused, right? Lest we get confused, I want to remember that this story has a lot to say to us as parents. But let's remember what this whole story is really about. And I think as we wind up talking about who we are as parents, it'll give us a heck of a lot of perspective. The big picture of this story is not what we can learn about in being parents or what we can learn about in how to deal with the things that come our way and how to deal with when our blessings are challenging, all those different kind of things that are really good. But the big picture of this story... Um, and, and the big picture of you raising your children and, and the big picture of you handling the things that you handle is not about who you are, who you become, or who your children are, or who they become, or any of those things. The big picture here is about God's story, and it's not your own. The big picture is not your story and how you handle it and how you look. The big picture is about God's story. Look what Mary says in, in verse 46 after she's finally had this opportunity to digest it all and all the fears come out and everything. And then finally she says this, just, just four little verses. She says, and then Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She says, not so much about me, but in light of all this, praise be to God because it is about his holiness. See, it's not about you as you raise your children, as you go to work, as you go through your marriage. It's not about you. It's about what God will do in future generations through you. And so it's not your story, it's God's story. And even though generations will call Mary blessed, uh, this book get written because Mary had a child. We don't have two centuries of Christ-centered worship because Mary had a child. We All that happened because the child is Jesus Christ. And so the bigger story of Mary's blessing is that a Savior came into the world. And the bigger story is that is that Jesus came to save those who were lost. The bigger story of your blessing is that God wants to do great things through what he's given you. Let me just say that again because it connects with me. The bigger story is, is not about you, but it's about the great things God wants to do through what he's given you and the blessings that you've been given and the situation you're in and all those different kind of things. And here's the thing. It absolutely won't always come easy. You know, being a part of God's big story and using your blessing for what God has called you to, it will not be easy, but it's just not about ease. And the lack of it being easy doesn't mean it's wrong. And the big story is, is absolutely about you getting to a place where you are a part of God bringing salvation to the world. And whether it's how you raise your children or how you respond to people at work or how you yell at the dog or whatever those things are, it's about you being a part of God's story.
So as you reflect on, on what you're doing and where you are and you go and, and you're thinking, man, there are so many things that, you know, I probably need to do differently. As, as you consider all that, would you just consider this? Would you consider two things? Would you consider, number one, uh, joining with God's story? Um, if you have, if you never said, it doesn't matter how long you've been in church, you know, being in a garage doesn't make you a car, right? You've heard that. Being in church doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't matter where you've been or, or what you've done, right? Um, if you have not stood before Jesus and said, you know, in your heart or verbally with words, you've said, uh, Jesus, I just want to stop chasing after sin and I want to follow you. And if you never did any of that, um, then that means that you are not a Jesus follower. And so I just want to encourage you to, man, just to consider becoming a part of God's story. I can speak to you only from my personal experience in saying that it is absolutely the best thing that's ever happened to me. And it's challenging to say that, that my daughter and my family are not the best thing that ever happened to me, but they're number two, right? But number one is absolutely being a follower of Jesus. Joining God's story, maybe if you never have, and maybe just kind of rejoining God's story. Just saying, God, I, man, I did those things, and then they were very real for me, and absolutely, I, I'm a believer. But as I sit and think, much of my life has not been about what I can do for someone else, and it's certainly not been about what you've called me to do, but much of my life has just been about what I can do for me. And so, God, I just want to come back to you and say, how can I do that differently? And how can you use me to do something different? So, so join with God's story. Uh, maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time, but join with God's story. And secondly, consider this. Look at what you've been blessed with and maybe say, God, I've been using this for me, but I'd like to use it for you. And just, just think about the things that God's blessed you with that have been great or have been really challenging, and say, God, my sole purpose here has been to say, how can I further my own kingdom? What can I do for me? But look at those things and say, that's what I'm saying. But God, I'm just going to open myself up to say, uh, how would you have me use these? And what would you have me do with this? Let me pray. God, we, uh, we praise you that you sent your son first to be born, which we celebrate now, but, but then to, to die and to rise again and then to be the Savior that we wouldn't have to die in our sin and we wouldn't have to live a life that's all about us, but we could join in your story. And so, God, we praise you for that. I pray, God, for parents as they seek to, to raise their children, God, that they would recognize that there's a bigger picture than just the child growing up and, and everything working out okay and them getting a decent career and all that kind of stuff. But, God, we would recognize that the big picture is that we join in your story. God, I pray that we would be people that would respond to you and would respond to your story. Jesus, I pray that, that as we begin to reflect through this last song, that we would just look to you and say, God, what do you want me to do with all these things? I lay them all at your feet. They are all yours. God, I pray that in this time we would respond to that. Amen.